Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. It's me, your man, MG, Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano, and the Fantasy Viper, Graham Barfield. <sighs> so, Antonio Brown, uh, feet, man. I mean, we're going to talk, talk some hard knocks at the end of the show, but... Gross, dude. Gross. Gross, dude. I don't know, man. I, the, Gross. The, the, I was on uh, TA last night and and kind of poo-pooing ab and his feet and his helmet and his attitude and the move from pittsburgh to oakland and those guys still uh, on the show seems to love him but of course i am getting cold feet oh man I feel like when Twitter, it comes to drafting twitter i think has worn that joke out I think. <laughs> really i didn't see it i thought i was being <laughs> original one of the one of the best ab memes i've seen though is like someone uh when he was on the cover i guess they had like the frostbite technology yeah apparently i saw that yeah. yeah, apparently there was frostbite technology in the Madden game that he was in, and I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, it was some sort of search engine or something was called frostbite, the, I guess. Yeah, and then the, the meme is like, I guess this is the new level of Madden curse. <laughs> it's, gone, it's gone that deep now, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we'll talk about it at the end uh, when we talk some, some hard knocks on this show, but, you know, I don't know. It's all weird. I still think the whole thing is comedy. Uh, big show for you today. We will do a quick preseason week two preview, some things to watch there. 
As I mentioned, the Hard Knocks preview or review, I guess I should say, for episode two. And a special guest today, the one and only Evan Silva, will stop by the podcast and he will chat a whole bunch of things with us. Uh, he's got a new venture, in case you don't know. Uh, he, Adam Levitan, a whole bunch of really smart fantasy writers are doing a new thing over at EstablishTheRun.com. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, go do it. They are really, really smart people when it comes to this sort of stuff. So uh, you should get on board and, and check that out as soon as possible. Normally, we go behind the glass and talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. But Murphy's on his way back home. Uh, he's going back to New York for a few days. So instead, we got Steve Manny behind the glass. Steve, what's going on, man? What's going on? It's a fantasy draft week for me. And I've been spending all week getting ready for it. But I've been planning like the 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 bachelor party aspects of it. So I don't know anything <laughs> so about football. So I'm hoping you can part. help me out. So you've been you've been getting the, the food and the beer and the beverages. Correct. We're gonna go down uh, to Anaheim this weekend. We're gonna right. catch the fights. We got a whole uh, a whole weekend plan. But I haven't thought at all well, about who to pick or you know those important aspects. Where are you picking? I was the last guy outside of the playoffs. Ten team league. So that would make me. Fifth. Okay. Okay. That would make me sick. No, that made me fifth. Yeah, it's a good spot this year because you kind of get like a little bit of you get a kind of a little bit of smattering of the whole ADP blend when you pick right smack dab in the middle. Did you ever stop to think that they made you plan all this other stuff on purpose so that you wouldn't have time to focus on? <laughs> no, the we, we rotate strategy? this on a yearly basis. And okay. We've never done it out in LA. Uh, we're just kind of worked out, so it should be pretty cool. Uh, Friday night, all the guys are coming in, and uh, man, it's going to be a fun weekend. That's like the best part about fantasy football for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, well, hopefully, uh, we appreciate you sitting in, first of all, for Eddie and, and helping us out with this. But yeah, hopefully, uh, if you sit and you listen to us, we won't uh, confuse you too much, and uh, you can pick up a few things that'll uh, help you out with your draft. Cool, let's do it. All right. So, now that we've gotten all that out of the way, let's do some news. <laughs> Let's do the news. Oh, the Andrew Luck watch continues, man. It just it it just keeps getting worse, man. Uh, so at first we thought maybe this was some sort of a muscle issue, that maybe it was a, a calf strain or something of that respect. Uh, then a, a day or two ago, owner Jim Ursay said there's a little bit of a bone issue uh, that he's dealing with. And now the latest thing is that it's a high ankle sprain and GM Chris Ballard saying it's a thing that needs to be addressed. Uh, we'll definitely get into this with Evan Silva and get his thoughts on it. But, uh, guys, we got to kick this around. I mean, it's just – I mean, I can't believe it's going to be like a couple years ago with the shoulder, right, where we just don't see him all year. But, Fabs, it just – it's getting harder to, to, to keep the faith with this thing. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, you mentioned it a couple of seasons ago when it was Jacoby Brissett. And this has got a domino effect, right? Because it's not just going to involve Andrew Luck's fantasy value, but the value of T.Y. Hilton and and, uh, Ebron and Doyle, uh, Paris Campbell. Is he draftable if it's Brissett and it's not Andrew Luck under center? Uh, Marlon Mack as well to a lesser degree. But this is is huge. Now, I do feel like at quarterback, it's not – listen, Luck was tremendous last season. But we can afford to lose a big-time quarterback for – some number of games because the position is so ridiculously deep, but where do you draft him? Do you pass on him? Um, Is he now a 10th round flyer? We don't know the answers to these questions because we don't know what his availability is for week one or going further down into the regular season. So we're all kind of paying attention like everyone else. Right. If I'm, if I'm drafting this weekend, like you are, 
Um, I'm not drafting him. I mean, it's pretty simple. There's just so many good quarterbacks this year. There's no reason to real take take on that risk that he might miss even a game or two. Um, there's just too many quarterbacks I like that are going later, and you can just be ready for week one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the reality of it right now. But man, it's just it, it's a thing where there's so much. There's always been so much optimism around him, especially mm-hmm. his return, especially what we saw last year. He came right. back. He was healthy. They. They had an offensive line that could protect him, and he looked great. And now for this to kind of happen that, again. That's the thing, though. Is like If he can play at 85%, that O-line is so, so good. And they're right. getting the ball out of his hands so quickly that I think he can kind of just protect himself because the line is so good. And um, you know, the injury Which, doesn't – it seems manageable right. at the very least, but still not good. Which is not a thing – that's not a thing we said a few years ago, though. I mean, that offensive line a few years ago was it's wild. Was bad. I know. Uh, now it's one of the three or four best in the league. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Hey, good job on, on, on getting that fixed. Down in Miami – Kenyon Drake was now spotted in a walking boot at practice. Um, I mean, you want to talk about the hits just keep on coming. I mean, it just it, it just keeps going from bad to worse for Kenyon Drake. You know, first he was struggling to, to you know, get touches with Frank Gore there. Frank Gore leaves, a new coaching staff comes in. Now Kalen Balaj is starting to muscle in on his territory. And now this, this walking boot, Fabs, I know you said you talked to some folks down there in South yep. Beach. They said it's not necessarily a terrible thing, but... I just feel like at this point, anything that is a negative for Kenyon Drake kind of gets gets amplified because Balaj is getting so much attention. Yeah, it's not structural. Uh, talk to Joe Shad quickly, uh, who covers the Dolphins down there. But it's another knock against drafting Kenyon Drake. And I'm wondering at what point do we start moving Kalen Balaj in at least standard scoring leagues ahead of Kenyon Drake? Because it, it appears that he is in line to see uh, enough touches to be productive, even if it's just as a flex starter. And if Drake is dealing with some sort of issue here, lower leg issue, um, that that could vault Balaj even more. I'll tell you something right now. If you were drafting best ball leagues uh, earlier in the offseason and you got Balaj in the 14th, 15th round, dude. I'm, I'm raising my hand. I mean, yeah, <laughs> high five. Yeah. High five. Yeah, no. Uh, I will say in the Dolphins preseason over, Kenyon Drake was the first back on the field, got all eight first-team snaps, the first eight-team snaps, then Balaj came in on the second series. So it does seem like at least Drake, like from a team perspective, was the number one. Uh, but obviously this injury is, is mm-hmm. just going to take him off the field even further and give Balaj extra reps in the second and third preseason games. I, I will be surprised, I guess, since we don't necessarily know the details of the injury yet. I'd be surprised if we see him for the rest of the preseason. Yeah, I would. I would probably agree with that. At this point, there's there's really no there's nothing to gain for the no. Dolphins by putting him out there at this point. Uh, Golden Tate loses his appeal. He will serve a four game suspension. Uh, he was knocked for violating the uh, the performance enhancing drug policy. Uh, I mean, Graham. I think the biggest thing, the biggest question now is you know with 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 us knowing for sure that Tate is out, uh, with Sterling Shepard dealing with a thumb injury. Um, I mean, are there any pass catchers? any wide receivers there, you know, non-Evan Ingram division that, that you have any interest in in New York? Sure. I think if Tate falls far enough into the draft, like if he pe- slips past, like, let's say, receiver 55, receiver 60, then I'm, I'm going to start, you know, kind of being interested in him as a receiver five or receiver six, just to kind of throw on my bench for the first four weeks. There's no buys. Uh, so there's not a huge, huge opportunity cost lost there. Um, but I think, if anything, this is just makes me want to draft Evan Ingram more than I already did. Yeah, dude, I feel like he's like... <laughs> He's like one of the top like zero RB targets. I, Greg Roman is going to run the football. He've ha- he's had success uh, with running backs in, in terms of the fantasy production in the past. We've seen it. And Ingram, I mean, he's not young, but he's 29 years old and still has some tread left on the tires. He's a pass catching back who I would not be surprised if he finished in the top 15 in PPR leagues at running back this season. 
other running back news. Damian Harris is, quote, clearly behind Sonny Michelle in Patriots camp. I know that, you know, there had been a little bit of buzz about Damian Harris coming into the year. And, and look, Fabs, there's, there's a little bit of concern because Michelle has had some injury problems throughout his career, even going back to college. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the, the, for me, the question is, you know, Michelle is going to be there. Harris is going to try to work his way in. I mean, where does like James White, like how do these pieces all fit together knowing that, you know, the man who controls the playing time is Bill Belichick? I, I know. I, I feel like <laughs> uh, James White is still the safest pick. I mean, to, typically people are playing in PPR leagues. I, I still feel like he's he's the safest bet because we know his role. His role in the offense is basically to be a wide receiver out of the backfield. Um, you know, no running back has had, you know, more targets over the last three years than James White. Uh, he's right up there with Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Um, so, but I, I still feel like the, the, the narrative is the same, right? Sonny Michelle looks like he's going to enter week one as the guy, which we kind of all projected, right? The, I wouldn't call it hype over Damian Harris, but the, you know, the, where we, where we sort of like him is that Michelle has dealt with the knee problems, mm-hmm. right? And he's had it last season. He's had it before this season started. He had it at Georgia. So at some point during the course of the season, does Michelle's knee flare up to the point where Harris gets a shot to be the guy? And then when he gets that shot, does he relinquish it? And so that's why Harris has never been a guy that you're drafting early or even in the middle of your draft. He's a late run flyer. He's a guy you're going to draft, sit on and see what happens with Michelle. And I'm still wary of Sony Michelle. There's a lot of running backs that could fill that role between Harris, Michelle. You got Rex Perkhead there as well. So uh, I, I still don't see Sony Michelle as anything more than maybe a high end three, a low end two, depending on the size of your league. And there's risk there. Yeah. I mean, I think that look. Just it's it's funny. Just when we think we figured out Patriots running backs, there's always a wrinkle. You never do. You never. The only really constant does. is James White is going to catch a. <laughs> or, sorry, crap. Whoa! Hey, <laughs> now. hey now. Hey, we don't need a producer back there. <laughs> and, and also keep this in mind too. And uh, so I just finished up these offensive coordinator coaches articles that'll be on the site at some point this week. Um, I feel like great weight off my shoulders because this thing is they're they're massive but McDaniels has only had two running backs during the course of his time as an OC or a head coach uh finished with more than 209 carries in a single season wow I I mean like LeGarrette Blunt and Stephen Ridley so we, we we see based on the numbers that the committee situation is very likely to happen. Now, Michelle might have hit 250 had he not gotten banged up a little bit last season. But now with Harris in the mix, I think th- there's question marks. I think he will hit 250. But again, the health is the biggest concern. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Biggest concern Michelle also. could be he could be a high RB, too. Yeah. You know, he, he really could be. But can he stay on the field? We should also note Damien Harris is dealing with like a, a hand injury. I read this morning. He's not been able to practice. And that might have been the reason why he didn't play very much or excuse me, he didn't play at all in the Patriots first preseason game too. So that could be another reason why he's behind Michelle right now. Yeah. I, I like that Viper salty today though. And he threw out, threw out a little curse word there. That's good, man. And <laughs> ready I, for the season. I, I have to really tone it down uh, on here. So I'm, I'm constantly monitoring my in the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last bit of news. Um, the Panthers reportedly, this is according to uh, Albert Breer of the MMQB, looking for a backup running back who could take some short yardage and goal line. <laughs> I just uh, I just don't want it to be Jay Ajayi. I'm like, please, no, don't I'm, sign Jay I'm Ajayi. laughing because that's not happening. No. I mean, <laughs> I feel like they already have one on their roster. It's called it's Cam, Cam Newton, Newton right? Exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, so you're laughing. So that, that sort of answers my question, Graham. Like, you're not worried at all. Uh, the goal line back is Cam Newton, and Christian McCaffrey will be the uh, – 
1B to the goal line back. Was, that's exactly what happened last year. Right. You know what was so funny last year is McCaffrey, like, everyone thought, oh, McCaffrey can't run in between the tackles. He can't handle yes, the goal line Yes, he can. He did that well, at weirdly. college. Huh. I mean, you know, it's funny, though. I, it's not coming. He ran I, power in college. No, yeah. he, he did. He ran power in college. Although, you know, even coming out of Stanford, that was sort of the knock that he wasn't durable enough. And remember, this time last year, Jonathan Stewart was kind of getting some love, right? Because it was because that was the whole hype, like the the idea that they were going to use somebody else as the goal line back, the the number two option there to kind of take some of the pressure off. And so, like Jonathan Stewart was kind of like a late round, like oh, you know, maybe it's worth a shot. And you know, yeah, obviously not. And have you seen pictures of Christian McCaffrey's arms? Well, the dude is Captain America. He's fine. Uh, all I know is there's that there's that promo that we're running on our network with him underwater, like carrying the big weight, like jogging uh, in, a, good, dude. In, a, in a big pool and stuff like I, that. I've um, I've seen it, and his by the way, his like workout and eating regimen is insane. Like I, I read where he eats like multiple bowls of chili, like it's just straight, <laughs> it's just straight protein. I, I don't know, man. He's a freak. He's a total freak. Yeah, I hope he doesn't do that before a game. Uh, well, obviously. I don't, yeah, you know what? I mean, you don't want to you wanna do that. He'd have to have an IV of, like, Tums and Zantac. I mean, ass. well, yeah, he'd have to go to the, the can every what, every other quarter. Would you want to tackle that guy? This is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fair point. That's true. That's just a thing. That, that is true. So there you go. That is pretty much everything you need to know. That was the news. Joining us on the phone, he is one of the preeminent analysts in the fantasy football industry. I mean, I'm reading it off his site, Establish the Run, but it's absolutely true. It's not just Hokum that they put up there to hype things up. You know him, you read him, you've probably followed him for a long time. It is the great Evan Silva. Evan, we appreciate the time, man. How How is life now that you are sort of, you know, you are your own boss now? How are things? Yeah, it's, it's good, man. I worked for, you know, a big corporation for a long time. Roto World was owned by NBC, and it's kind of it's kind of nice to um, just just able to breathe a little bit more um, out working on my own. Uh, and not not necessarily on my own. I'm working with Adam Levitan, uh, and you know, we've been we've been producing a bunch of podcasts, doing preseason DFS content. We've had a, a ton of success with that so far. Uh, we have a draft kit. That you can that you can purchase um, for season long. It's got top 150. It's got uh, uh, tiers. You know, it's got it's got a ton of information in there. And then we're going to have uh, a full season uh, package as well. I write a matchups column where I break down every game uh, every week, and that'll be in there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, we're we're off to a good start, and, and it's, it's definitely exciting and. Um, kind of nice to get away from the big corporation yeah and not not for nothing so our industry has grown you know exponentially Mm -hmm. over the last decade or so um but there are still very few people that i actually read that are must read um outside of the two gentlemen in this room sitting next to me you're Mm -hmm. one of them and if you have never read evan's matchups column during the regular season you are missing out on one of the best fantasy football columns out there so make sure you check it out. Um, it is tremendous. I gotta say real quick, dude, you you went next level, Evan, when you were doing a weekly matchups AAF column. Like that was, <laughs> that's dude. Bad. And you know what? I was reading it and I won my damn league because of that. Uh, uh, so I mean, let's talk some some NFL fantasy football yeah. with you now that we got you here. Um, the, the first thing and the, the one that has become kind of the pressing issue over the last week or two is this Andrew Luck situation, which started 
as kind of maybe a muscle thing potentially. Then Jim Irsay yeah. saying it's like a bone issue. Now there's talk that this could be a high ankle sprain. I mean, we've we've set, we've sort of seen this movie before, Evan, with the the shoulder issue. I mean, is it time for folks to kind of start panicking about Andrew Luck? Yeah, the guy that I really rely on for information when it comes to situations like this is uh, Dr. Chow, uh, formerly you know the longtime uh, team doctor for the uh, then San Diego Chargers. He I actually talked to him on the phone about this last night and this morning. He put out a an article on it today. I think that. My takeaways from talking to him and from um, reading his article are that there are a few certainties. First of all, he's, he's really worried that it started, you know, way back in March. And what have what has the team been doing this entire time? You know, like if a procedure is needed. Another thing is that it seems like it seems to Dr. Chow that they have not even made a firm, specific diagnosis as to what the problem is. And, and everything is just kind of still in a very nebulous stage. Um, but there are two things that are certainties. One, um, Andrew Luck's status for week one is legitimately up in the air. And number two, if he plays in week one, he's going to be less than 100%. He did mention that because it is on uh, Andrew Luck's left leg as opposed to the right one, where when you're dropping back, you know, you, you really hit that back foot hard and then you come through. Uh, he has a little bit more optimism because it's on Andrew Luck's uh, left side, on his left leg. Uh, but it definitely could impact Andrew Luck's, um, his mobility and his scrambling. He's gonna act, he may add fewer rushing yards. What I personally did is I had Andrew Luck as my quarterback three, and I moved him down below – Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers is my quarterback five. The question is, you know, should we start dumping him lower than that? Yeah. And you're going to have that uh, conundrum with his big offensive pieces, too, because let's look Mm -hmm. back two seasons ago when T.Y. Hilton was catching passes from someone other than Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, and he was super inconsistent and very unreliable where do you drop T.Y. Hilton? And then Paris Campbell, does he become basically undraftable? Devin Funches is like the third tight end there. They have Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Those guys all see a decline in value. Where specifically, though, would you move Hilton if we come to discover that Luck is going to miss regular season games? Yeah, that's, that really gets difficult. Um, and there are so many guys he impacts. I mean, it's, you know, it's Devin Funches, T.Y. Hilton, it's even Marlon Mack is a you know, his upside is affected uh, if Andrew Luck is not available for games. Paris Campbell, you know, you, you kind of compound the fact that Paris Campbell has been out for like two weeks with a hamstring injury. We don't even know if he's going to start uh, to begin the season at this point. Um, you know, maybe they'll just go with Chester Rogers to start the season in this lot because he's been healthy and he's a veteran and he knows where to be. And Paris Campbell has been on the shelf. Um, I have not personally adjusted down uh, T.Y. Hilton or, or Eric Ebron or any of those guys yet. But, yeah, I mean, as we creep closer to the season, hopefully we'll get some positive reports on Andrew Luck. Uh, this is a situation where Andrew Luck, it's, it's a pain situation, and he can, like, you know, take a shot, and that can help him through, and he can play in games um, after taking a shot. But, 
Um, so I think that at the end of the day, I think he's going to be ready for week one. I just, I, I think that uh, his performance may be impacted by, by the, uh, by the injury. Right, Evan. I think one of the things, because quarterback is so deep this year, you don't have to take Andrew Luck at an injury mm-hmm. discount this year. Even even though like we're expecting him to play at less than 100% in week one, you don't have to take him because quarterback is just so, so deep this year. Yeah, you know, getting away from, from the quarterback spot a little bit, uh, Antonio Brown obviously is much in the news. I think the whole thing is comedy because I think, you know, when, when it's all said and done, He's going to play. Bro, his feet are nasty, dude. His Did you are... see it on Hard Knocks last night? <laughs> it's disgusting, man. It they're, is just they're legitimately nasty. Gross. They are legitimately gross. Yeah. I mean, but where, where are you ranking him? Where are you feeling comfortable drafting him right now, Ev? Yeah, so there are concerns that go beyond the fact that, you know, this guy is, you know, this guy is dealing with some sort of a foot infection or, or whatever. I don't know. Some people say it's frostbite. Other people say it's not frostbite. I don't know. You know, um, but there are other concerns. I think that they, it's a significant downgrade from Ben Roethlisberger to Derek Carr. First of all, we see a lot of receivers when they change teams in the off season. You know, there's there's an initial uh, in that first season with the new team. Um, you know, you, it's kind of it, it's become a, a situation where you want to put a red flag on that receiver because there, we see that bust a, a lot. Uh, receivers changing teams in the off season. And then you add to the fact that they have they've had what thirty minutes together to practice <laughs> so far in training camp. You know, uh, Derek Carr has never been an aggressive downfield passer. That's one thing that Ben Roethlisberger he's been top ten in the NFL each of the last four years in percentage of passes thrown twenty plus yards downfield. Never before in Derek Carr's career has he been higher than sixteenth. Um, and last year he was actually dead last. Now you can point to the receivers that he had. You know that, and and I understand that. But you know he he really throughout his career, year over year, has not been an aggressive downfield passer. Um, Antonio Brown was really carried last season by the fact that he scored his his, uh, his yards per target and his yards per route run were both seven year lows last year, and he was really carried by the fact that he had a career high and a league high fifteen touchdown catches. I mean, how many touchdowns are you projecting for Antonio Brown going to the Raiders? You know, I, I like five and a half, six and a half, maybe. I mean, this is not, I don't think this is going to be a team that lights up the scoreboard uh, from a scoring standpoint. And then, yeah, so I mean, there, there's just a bunch of different concerns here that go beyond this weird stuff that is happening with his feet and with the helmet. And I mean, you, you start to like question the guy's sanity. And if Antonio Brown isn't getting the ball from a quarterback that, you know, has been like a check down artist for most of his career, you know, how, how are these things going to, how are these things going to go? You know I mean? It, I, it's a situation I'm, I'm avoiding fast. And I know that you are too. Yeah. I mean, I, I got into this argument last night on NFL total access that Maurice Jones drew and Sean O'Hara, they, but they attacked me uh, because they just like to do that. And it's fun to debate with them, but, I talked about some of the points that you had just mentioned uh, further. The Steelers were first in pass attempts last year. The Raiders were 16th. They were uh, 24th in offensive plays. The Steelers were fifth. And there were, you can't people, – people have to understand, you know, NFL is the ultimate team sport, okay? And you can't underestimate the rapport that Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown had together, okay? 
Big Ben knew where AB was going to be every time he ran a route, okay? Big Ben knew that even if AB was getting double covered, triple covered, he could throw the damn ball up into the air, and there's a good chance Antonio Brown was coming down with it. Now, that rapport is non-existent with Derek Carr right now. And people yeah. people forget about that. And I have A.B. right now 13th. I may move him up a little bit. We'll see what happens depending on what goes on with T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck. But right now, he's an end of the second round, beginning of the third round pick. And, and the touchdown regression is guaranteed. Like if he has eight touchdowns this season, I'd be like, that's a good season for Antonio Brown. How many Raiders wide receivers have we seen in recent years put up huge numbers? How many Raiders? What happened to Amari Cooper when he was at Oakland? He sucked. He was terrible. And then he goes to Dallas and he turns into a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. And I think people have to remember that as well. Uh, looking, t- talking to Evan Silva, uh, established the run. You know him. Uh, you find him on Twitter at Evan Silva. Um, obviously, everybody loves Nick Chubb for, for good reason um, because of what that offense can do this year. What has kind of puzzled me, Evan, is that people seem really high on Kareem Hunt. I mean, I'm seeing his name come off the board in the eighth or ninth round and uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but that just seems like a really expensive price to pay for a guy that, that you're going to have to just sit on for eight or nine weeks this year. Yeah, if, look, if you play in a league where you have like five or six bench spots, he's entirely undraftable. I don't even think that Chris Herndon, who's going to be out until week six because he's got the four-game suspension and he's got the early season bye, I don't even think you can draft him. So I, I think you certainly can't draft Kareem Hunt. It has to be like in a specific format you have to at least have eight bench spots probably more likely like 10 um because you're going to have to stash him through you know several waiver wire cycles and very very valuable waiver wire runs like early in the season when we don't know as much as we think we know and there's going to be some surprises and you know there's going to be league winning guys to pick up off the waiver wire within the first month of the season and i mean who's going to be the first guy to go you know, off your bench, if you if you're if you have a five or six man bench, it's going to be the guy who isn't even going to play until week ten. Um, and you know, Kareem Hunt still needs to get reinstated. Uh, the 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 Haslam's have talked about this. They, uh, D Haslam, the wife of Jimmy Haslam, was saying that um, it's not even a guarantee that he gets uh, reinstated. Uh, he's eligible to return, but he also has to you know stay out of trouble and. Um, you know, do the right things and show the league that he's, you know, got everything squared away. So that's not even a guarantee. Uh, I think you can take him like in a best ball league, but yeah, I mean, he should not be getting drafted in any leagues. I would say uh, anywhere in the five to seven man bench, you just, you, you can't even draft them at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of taking eight straight zeros either, uh, <laughs> <Right>. especially, <laughs> especially in shallow bench leagues. And, and not only that, like Nick Chubb is, is so, so good and so awesome. Like there's no guarantee that Hunt, when he does come back and, and uh, rejoins the Browns, there's no guarantee that he's going to have like some sort of locked in role where we feel comfortable starting him in our fantasy lineups. Uh, I'm, I'm fully with you. I'm, I pretty much have never drafted Kareem Hunt this summer or uh, don't intend to at all. One thing I've noticed you've been talking about, Evan, uh, and I know you you study this obviously maybe as much or more than anybody else, the rise of 12 personnel on the field, right? Basically the one running back, two tight ends, it seems to be the thing that is in vogue. Uh, For the folks who are are kind of paying attention to this thing, I mean, are are there teams you've identified that are doing it a lot and doing it well right now? Well, the Colts did it well last year, and they were very, very flexible. Like when, when Jack Doyle was in, they were a heavy two tight end team. And then when Jack Doyle went out, they were heavy 
uh, 11 personnel, three receivers. So, you know, they're kind of one of those teams that you really appreciate the way that they call plays because they just adjust to their personnel, you know. Some offensive coordinators will just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to ruin my scheme, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but these guys actually adjust their, their offense and their personnel packages to fit their personnel, which makes plenty of sense, right? Makes complete sense, but not everyone does it. Uh, 12 personnel, the, the, the team that ran at the highest rate last year, of course, was the Eagles. Um, you know, I don't think it necessarily has like a, a big fantasy impact. You know, it's more of like a real-life discussion because, you know, just because the, the Eagles ran the most 12 personnel last year, that didn't mean that Dallas Goddard was, you know, a big-time fantasy factor. And when, um, when Jack Doyle was healthy, along with Eric Ebron, you know, they kind of like cannibalized each other. You couldn't really – right. you didn't really love using either of them. I mean, Eric, uh, Eric Ebron, when, when Jack Doyle was out last year, averaged 8.8 targets per game, mm-hmm. which is sensational – for a tight end, but then when Jack Doyle was in, he averaged 4.4 targets per game, and he was barely usable. You know, you had to, like, luck into a touchdown, which, of course, last year did happen more often than not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, it's a really interesting, uh, like, kind of wave of the future real-life thing uh, for football. Definitely, Evan. I, I think you and, and Warren Sharp have talked a lot about 12 personnel this offseason. I noted in my team previews column that the Colts used 12 personnel uh, on 30% of their pass plays when Jack Doyle was healthy. That was the third highest clip in the NFL. But you're right. It doesn't necessarily have an impact on fantasy. You still have to know how these players are used. And we'll just use mm-hmm. the Eagles for as an example. Like Zach Ertz is typically not the blocking tight end when the Eagles go into 12 personnel. Dallas Goddard is. He's lining up on the line of scrimmage, and Ertz is more used more of as a receiver. So he inherently has a more valuable role just in the context of that offense. And I think that's an important thing to note when we're talking about teams using 12 personnel and using these different personnel packages. It's not just about where they're lining up on the field, but it's also how they're used in the context of the offense. Uh, last thing before we let you go, obviously it's the middle of the preseason. For you, when you are watching preseason games, what are you looking at? How should people be evaluating these games? Yeah, I mean, I'm just like everyone else that, you know, big plays, highlight plays. I have the highlight bias. And, you know, if a dude is out here making big plays, like it's going to catch my eye and it's going to get me excited. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is, um, I think, usage in, in the preseason games. Um, and we have not yet gotten to the point where we have big sample sizes of, um, of usage so far with the first team. That really comes out of that third preseason game where sometimes we can get up to two and a half quarters of the first team. And we just want to see, you know, who's running with the ones. And what, because a lot of that is dictated by, especially for veteran quarterbacks, it's, dis, it's dictated by quarterback preferences. Um, you know, what running back is out there with the ones? What running back does Aaron Rodgers trust to have behind him? Um, I did think there was one uh, interesting takeaway from the first week of preseason. And again, we're going to have much bigger sample sizes uh, as we get to that third preseason game. But from the first week, I thought it was interesting that Kyler Murray was out there for 11 snaps and David Johnson was out there for seven, which is fine. But Chase Edmonds was out there for four of those 11 first-team snaps. And Chase Edmonds, if the Cardinals are able to execute, like, running a ton more plays, which 
they have only one way to go up because they finished 31st <laughs> yeah, in the NFL in plays last year. Um, but I, and I don't think that they're going to run, you know, 80 or 90 or, or whatever they're talking about. But if they can get up to, like, into the top five, you know, I think that Chase Edmonds might be able to carve out a little bit of standalone value. Um, and he's a guy that I really like to take late in draft um, because he's got because he's got a shot at that sort of flex option, you know, like a like like an Austin Eckler sort of got, uh, sort of play. And then you know he's got the big upside if something happens to David Johnson. Yeah, it's it's funny, right? Uh, th- this whole Cardinals offense is going to be fun to watch. Fifty six point four snaps per game last year during Kingsbury's time at Texas Tech. The Red Raiders led the FBS in snaps per game, and they averaged. 82.6 snaps per game last season. Like, Love that's it. that's a lot of plays. Yep. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, Evan, hey, man, we appreciate the time. We appreciate the insight. Uh, looking forward to seeing more of your stuff over at Establish the Run. Folks can come and check you out there. You, Adam Levitan, I mean, you've got Josh Hermsmeyer contributing, Pat mm-hmm. Thorman. You, you guys have you put together a solid roster to start this thing. So uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, man, so best of luck with that. We appreciate the time, and uh, uh, let's let's stay in touch during the season, man. Absolutely. Take it easy, dudes. Good luck this year. All right, thanks, thanks, Evan. Thanks again to Evan Silva for stopping by. It's always good to talk to him. Uh, it was fun. We, uh, Graham, you and I got to sit and have some beers with him in February back in uh, in Indianapolis after the combine. It was great. Um, he got mad at you about running backs, though, if I remember. Yeah, we uh, we kind of got into it about running backs. I shouldn't say mad. We just got in. Well, what was the conversation? Just, like, just, what happened? Well, it wasn't mad, but basically, I I sort of pushed back as I am wont to do about this whole RBs don't matter thing. You have great points. Um, you know, and and Evan vociferously disagreed with me. Um, so th- that's it. I think, I think it's like more of a humanist thing. Like we just want to see them get paid. That's kind of how I feel about it. Although I do think that some of these guys actually matter more than others. Um, you know, let, let's, let's see if the Cowboys are willing to go into weeks one and two without Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> there's, there's the proof that some running backs do matter you know, a little dude, bit more than others. Yeah, listen, man, <laughs> I love, I'm a running back guy. I love that position. And I really hope Zeke is back. I hope Gordon's back. It sucks that these guys don't get paid and they don't get the the respect they deserve contractually, at least in some cases. Yeah, but we'll see, man. We'll we'll see. That we, we talked about it on the last podcast. How things just keep building and building, building. First, it was Gordon. It was Zeke. It's AB's feet. Now it's Andrew Luck. Things are, are getting confusing uh, with some of these elite players right now. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, and so uh, we're going to be here to talk about it and probably pull out our hair about it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, week two of the preseason kicks off on Thursday. Uh, we got a whole full slate of games going all through the weekend. So uh, a few things to keep our eye on. Of course, we're not going to talk about every game, but uh, just a few things that, that I'm interested in, you guys are interested in. We can kind of bat around a little bit. Uh, Cardinals and Raiders. Get going on Thursday night, and uh, you know, Graham, we didn't see a lot from Kyler Murray. They kind of kept right. it sort of plain. I mean, he looked good for what they asked him to do. Right. I would think this week we want to see them maybe put a couple more wrinkles into what they're doing. Sure, Cliff Kingsbury said before and after the game, he's like, "We're going to keep this vanilla. We're going to keep it real, real simple." Um, they just ran a bunch of eleven personnel, put Max Williams in the slot a few times. I, I, I hope we see a few wrinkles. There was one little wrinkle where they kind of ran like an RPO screen, which is kind of fun. Good little look to Fitz. Um, but I don't think we'll see a whole lot of what 
Cliff and Kyler and the Cards have planned until week one, just because they they're they're going to try and play fast and play super aggressive, and they just have no real reason to do that in the preseason. Yeah, uh, I mean they really don't. But I think you know it's, it's nice to see Kyler spin it though. You yeah, know? like it, it, he looks so comfortable back there. I know it's only seven throws, but and he's like it's like he's like a little dude. Yeah, it's, it's great, man. And for the, those of us who are sort of vertically challenged. It's very exciting. So here's, you know, this has nothing to do with anything. And this probably should have been a thing that was pointed out during draft season. Everybody keeps talking about like him being not tall or whatever. Um, they, they don't have short linemen in the Big 12, right? Like, I mean, he no, dealt no, with, dude, I, he dealt with tall people in college. Caprice <laughs> you know? is not tall. Russell Wilson's not tall. Doug Flutie wasn't tall. Um, so, yeah. He still isn't. I don't know. Like, everybody sees like, seems, like, seems like that's a big deal. And I'm like, well. He, Drew Brees does make me laugh, though. Like, when he's under center, like, you can clearly tell he's craning his like, head. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> like, you want to get him a hey, box in, to stand on. In fairness, I'm Drew Brees' height. So, if I were back there, I'd be doing the same doing thing. Doing the same thing. Um, Eagles at Jaguars. Uh, look, I. I have sort of wavered on this Eagles backfield. Like early on, I was definitely on the Jordan Howard train. Now in the last week or so, the, all the things I've read have sort of started to sway me a little bit more toward Miles Sanders. Um, Fabs, I think that's the one That's the one thing I want to watch out of this thing is how this thing breaks down, uh, You know, who's getting the, the first team snaps and the reps. Uh, you know, as Evan talked about kind of watching these games and seeing who's, get, who's on the field and when. I just, I want to start to figure out which one of these backs is going to be, I won't say the main back, but maybe gets more touches. Yeah, I, I always go with upside in, in cases like this. I don't feel like Jordan Howard has much. I, I think Sanders is the guy that, that has the higher ceiling. But, you know, we have seen in three years uh, that Peterson's been the guy in Philadelphia. He hasn't had a single running back average more than 12.9 touches per game. Not one. Mm-hmm. And that was Ryan Matthews back in 2016. He also hasn't had a running back finish better than 24th in fantasy points at the position, but he also has not had a back. Right. That was my question. That my like Miles Sanders, and so hopefully this is a trend that is that is dodged this season because of the presence of the Penn State alum. Yeah, that was my thought. It's just like okay, yeah, he's never done it before, but he's never really had any guys mm-hmm. that you feel comfortable with. Right. I have been saying that Miles Sanders is a league winner um, in the sixth, seventh round for that reason. I mean. The Eagles have tried their hardest. It's not like they haven't tried. I mean, they, they traded for Jay Ajayi before the trade deadline. They were linked to Dalvin Cook early in the draft in 2017. They've been, they were rumored to be interested in LaShawn McCoy a couple years ago, and he was still, he was still a talented back. I, I think they finally have that three-down player in Miles Sanders here. Yeah, and, and, and you talk about upside, too. I mean, Jordan Howard has never and never will be a pass catcher. Miles right. Sanders, at mm-hmm. the very least, can do that, and that has value immediately in PPR leagues. Yeah, you know, uh, our pal Mike Clay from over at ESPN, I think, made a good comparison when he he compared Sanders to the son of Carrion Johnson, hmm. where at the beginning of the season, you know what, uh, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a slow go, but at some point during the course of the season, Sanders' talent is going to outshine Jordan Howard, and he's going to get an opportunity. That's a really good guy. comparison. And that's, and that's sort of why I have started to kind of move closer to Miles Sanders mm-hmm. in this one. I mean, my my original thought with Jordan Howard isn't necessarily that he's going to be some huge, you know, boom guy. I mean, we, we sort of know what he is right now, but it was more that he's the guy, at least early in the year, that gets those goal line opportunities, gets kind of those short yardage things. But I think if you're talking about more of a, a higher ceiling, then I think it's it's definitely Miles Sanders. Uh, Dolphins at Bucks. I am I'm thinking all about running backs here. I mean, originally I had sort of written, you know, Balage versus Drake, but obviously we talked about Kenyon Drake and the fact that we may not see him for the rest of the preseason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I still want to see what Kalen Balage has to offer, what he can do. And on the flip side, I want to start to get a better feel 
this Peyton Barber versus Ronald Jones things. I think, you know, look, Dude, we are lost on that. We are so lost we on are that right totally now. Lost. I have no idea. Which, we don't hear anything like, you know, you hear a report that Ronald Jones broke a big run only to fumble, you know, in camp. Like, that is one of the situations I don't have a clue. I, I mean, I'm going to I'd rather have Ronald Jones because I'd rather have the, the upside there. I have no idea what's going to happen in that backfield. None. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's sort of the thing. You know, like Ronald Jones is the he's the upside play because Peyton Barber's another guy. We sort of know who he is. I mean, he's steady. He's not spectacular. Um, but it seems right now, Graham, it seems like he's kind of the number one guy until further notice. He is. And he, he was last year and he'll continue to be. I mean, this is why tracking preseason usage matters so much. Last year, Ronald Jones. Uh, was behind Jaquiz Rogers. Like, Jaquiz Rogers played more first-team snaps last season than Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones then struggled struggled to get on the field early in the year. He struggled all throughout the year when he was on the field. Now, this preseason, in their opening preseason game, Jameis Winston plays 12 snaps. Peyton Barber was on the field for eight of those 12 snaps. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a report that came out this morning that the Bucs are basically trying to restore Ronald Jones's confidence. saw that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's now trying to put on weight this offseason. Like, I mean... I don't want to bash Ronald Jones more than I have, right? Yeah. There, there comes a point in drafts where I'm willing to take him. Right. It's usually like 12th or 13th. And Arians, Arians has liked to use a featured back, mm-hmm. too, you know, during his time as an OC or a head coach. You look at the, at the numbers, um, you know, runners have averaged 18.4 touches uh, or more eight times during his 15 seasons as either a head coach or an OC. You know, David Johnson in 2016, Willie Parker, Richard Mendenhall back in Pittsburgh. So he's liked to use these guys. He just doesn't have one right now. And hopefully Rojo or maybe it's Barber. I don't know. Hopefully one of these guys establishes himself as the more useful fantasy option. Otherwise, we are absolutely going so, to be just throwing darts at this backfield all season. File this under, you know, baby steps forward, right? I mean, you know. Ronald Jones last year had 23 carries for 44 yards. Mm-hmm. In his one preseason game, he had four carries for 18. So, you know, <laughs> right? Progress. Progress. When you say baby steps, it just makes me think of what about Bob? <laughs> but the Bucks are also absolutely a candidate for picking up a veteran who's, you know, dropped or right. cut in the, you know, I'm surprised they haven't kicked the preseason. tires on Jay. Like uh, they're, they're, I'm concerned. You know? I'm concerned. I think Ajay's got his 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 knee might be, just might done. be yeah, might be worse. Could than, be. Yeah. Yep. It there could be a medical issue. Possible. Yes. Um. Patriots at Titans. The only thing I could think of uh, is Jacoby Myers for real. Like you know, I know I made the uh, the Salino Barnes joke uh, on the podcast. It, it was it Monday. was it was well done. Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh. Yeah. I mean, he obviously had a huge breakout game. Uh. You know, I know he very much was was staying humble about it in the post game comments and Belichick. Bill Belichick, in typical Belichick fashion, Pesa came out and said, yeah, he's got a long way to go. He's got a lot of things to learn, which, you know, I mean, you can't get more Belichickian than that. But I think for the rest of us, like, he legitimately had a good game last week. And I guess, Fabs, we just want to see if, like, that's for real, if he can do it again or if this just was a, a one-week wonder story. Yeah. See, for me, like, I, I think it's a one-week thing. I, I don't know that he's going to come in and make a fantasy impact, yeah. to be quite honest with you. But I'm also I, – I, I'm, I'm like a prove-it-to-me kind of guy. And so it's it's nice to see what he did in, in the first preseason game, uh, put up some nice numbers. But, you know, would we be shocked if he comes in in this game and does absolutely nothing? No. And that's sort of when I think the correction will come and, and people will start to think, eh, eh, maybe this guy's not somebody I'm going to take a late flyer on. Josh Gordon. Josh <laughs> Gordon. Josh 
Gordon. Uh, <laughs> He's coming back, guys. Oh, <laughs> man. I, you know, it's when? It, it's funny. We talk about Patriots in, in the preseason, and the name that always pops up is Zach Sudfeld to me. <laughs> right? Like the yes, one week, the yes, week, you know, like what, yes. Gronk was hurt, and it was like, hey, they're going to be auditioning new guys. Everybody's like, hey, man, let's look at Zach Sudfeld. I think he like had like one target and zero catches, yeah. and it's like, all right, well, that's over. Yep. That's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> We, there's been, I mean, there's been so many of those guys over the years, but Sudfeld's a funny one. Sudfeld's a, a good one. one. Yeah. Uh, last one that I got here, Niners at Broncos, and mostly just because I want to know, uh, Graham, which of these Niners receivers is going to take a step forward, right? I mean, the reports are that Dante Pettis has sort of underwhelmed in camp. Trent Taylor is is not healthy right now. Uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin, for all the, the excitement potential around him, he just, he's been inconsistent on the field right now. Um you know, and I know we all sort of believe that George Kittle can't repeat what he did last year because he was setting records, but it feels like none of these other guys take a step forward that, you know, Kittle at least is going to see a, another boatload of targets this year. This is the number one thing I'm going to be watching on Thursday night is how the Niners uh, align and who gets snaps where with the first team offense. Uh, you mentioned it, though. I mean, the concern still remains for me, though, with Kittle. Like, sure, no one has truly taken a step forward, but it doesn't mean that there are fewer competent pass catchers on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd are going to present pretty significant um, pretty significant opportunities to take away some some targets for Kittle. But still, yeah, I mean, Kittle is going to be the lead target of this, for this 49ers team. It's just a matter of where he goes in drafts. But yeah, I, I've been really surprised to see um, Kyle Shanahan just absolutely poo-pooing Dante Pettis after he played through yeah. so many injuries last year. Right. Um, he must be having a really, really tough camp. Yeah. It seems like it. It seems like it. And back to Kittle, um, you know, I get it. He was tremendous last year, but I always, Marcus knows this. He's been working with me for a long time. I always fear the magical season. I always fear the magical season. And I like looking at historical trends. Obviously, it's one of the fun things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to, uh, it's going to predict the future, but in a lot of cases it does. Um, but in NFL history, there's only been 10 instances where a tight end has had 1,200 plus yards in a single season. Two of them came last year with Kelsey uh, and, and George Kittle. In the previous eight instances, only two tight ends got to 1,000 yards the following season. And in five, the players failed to reach 950 yards the following season. Um, in all, the average yards a tight end recorded following a 1,200 plus yard season is 918. So if if Kittle comes out and gives you 950 yards and six touchdowns. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It ain't 1,305, right. but it's pretty good. But that's why I don't I don't want him in the third or fourth round. I right. just don't. Yeah, and he's some – I mean, I saw him earlier this this summer going ahead of, like, Mike Evans in the second round, which is just – that's, that's a little spicy he, he's, for he's, me. Yeah, he's finally fallen back in the Bro, you got to know. So. You got – like, it's got to be – you got to know. Like, Kelsey, you know, Ertz also to a degree. You got to know it's going to happen, okay? Right. Because – would would any one of us in this room be shocked if OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, no. uh, yeah. Hunter Henry yeah. outscored Kittle? No. no. Yeah. No. I, see, I was saying this for Kittle, the, the five touchdowns is definitely duplicate. You know, he can. He oh can yeah, sure, that. sure. It's sure. the it's the thirteen seventy seven that uh, he's never going to do it. That's that's never. If he, yeah, it's a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, it won me quite a few jelly beans last year. So <laughs> I wasn't pissed. <laughs> Oh, so there you go. There's uh, our look at some of the things to keep an eye on in the preseason. I guess at this point I should promote the fact that uh, NFL Network actually has a triple header on Saturday, dun, 4, p- dun, dun. 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it is Browns at Colts, uh, 7.30 Eastern, Chiefs at Steelers, and then 10 Eastern, Cowboys at Rams. Oh, it's going to be at the Coliseum. Are you, uh... No, it's not. It's in Hawaii. 
Oh, really? It is yeah, in Hawaii. I was yeah. so pissed because like oh. I saw that and I'm like, ooh, I'm going to get to bring Matthew to a Cowboys game. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I texted my contact with the Rams and I said, hey, I want to go to the to Cowboys Rams. Which one? The one in Hawaii or the one in Dallas? I'm like, huh? oh, oh, well, oh, damn, they're not playing in L.A. They only have, the Rams only have one one more preseason game in L.A. I think it's like a. Uh, a couple of weeks, I might be against the Chiefs. But huh. It won't matter because Sean McVay doesn't play anybody. No, <laughs> this is true. But I, but I was mad. I was like, oh, dude, uh, man, I wanted to see the Cowboys because I never get a chance to see them. So. Hey man, if you want to see John Kelly, this is your. Oh, I guess you're missing what, the chance. What imagine if, what if Kelly comes out and like starts ahead of Harrell, Henderson again? Harrell Henderson. And, like, everything yeah. is going to just go. That's one of the guys I, I'm most interested to see too. Is like what Henderson does. Yeah, uh, if he starts ahead of Daryl Henderson and has a couple of big runs, then mm-hmm. the fantasy Twitter is going to lose its ever loving mind. Yeah. Um, uh, before we go, obviously, Hard Knocks episode two was last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sort of ta- started talking about uh, Antonio Brown at the start of the show, his feet. Uh, in case you, <laughs> in case any of you missed it on Instagram when he posted it originally, he showed the world what his feet looked like, and boy, it's not good. It's ugly. Uh, although he said his feet got circumcised, which... I think, um, he, I think he was trying to say the skin is peeling back. Yes. Which was, I mean... If we want to be in the strict literal sense of like what that is, sure. But I would have used a different word. I would, yeah, me too. I would dare say there are some uh, some rabbis and, and some folks who <laughs> for a living that would probably disagree with AB's comparison. Oh, uh, but interesting, interesting nonetheless. Um, I would say what the, a couple things I took away from it. Uh, the, the the episode, I should say. Um, and and Dan Hansis, who is you know our our resident uh, hard knocks expert, who does a re- a great recap of it every single week, and he pointed this out too in his and Zeus. Um, Derek Carr's future might be in doubt with the Raiders, but as long as he's there, he is solid as the QB one. I mean, the Mike yeah. Glennon Nathan Peterman competition is ugly right yep. now. Yeah, Nathan Peterman's the guy that you want starting against your fantasy defense. Yeah. that's I'll never forget that game. What do you have, like six picks five in, the in the first half? half five. five in the first half, which is great because we got to hear Matt Money Smith's call of it, too, yes. on the show. Chargers defense was, like, ridiculous that week. <sighs> so yeah, that's that's a bad situation. Uh, Think about it, though, Marcus. My question is, how, how does Mike Glennon keep getting jobs? Mike Glennon He's got tall. paid. Remember? He got paid. He was yeah. going to be the guy... In Chicago, was it right yeah, after Chicago. the Tampa Bay? He's he's tall. Uh, yeah, first, he's hey, let's, let's. I mean, you want to flash back? Mike Glennon is the guy who forced Russell Wilson out of NC State. Oh, God. let's let's. I mean, it's like Russell Wilson was the starting quarterback yeah, at right. North Carolina State. Yep. Mike Glennon was on the roster. They didn't think that Russell Wilson was going to be able to get the starting job, so he left and went to Wisconsin. Uh, and now here we are. Do you guys want to? I mean, you want to go down the rabbit hole? You talk about bad backups. If Patrick Mahomes ever got hurt, you know who their backup is? Is it the... Chad Henney. Yeah, it's Chad Henney. Oh, I was say, because Tyler Bray's not there anymore. It's Chad Henney. <laughs> like, there, there are some we, backup quarterbacks in this league that you do not, as a fantasy owner, want to see step on the field. Matt Ryan goes down. It's Mr. Pick 6. Hey, speak, speak, speaking of hard knocks, I mean, if Jared Goff goes down, it's Blake Bortles, baby. Although, you know... <laughs> yeah, Bortles is actually one of the better. Honestly, 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 In the yeah. realm of backup quarterbacks, like, Blake Bortles actually isn't so bad. Yeah. Um, My goodness, great. I mean, if Baker goes down, you're looking at Drew Stanton. Oh. Uh, you know? It, uh, yeah, let, let's let's let's. Pr- I mean, Captain Savage is the backup in Detroit. Guys, is, is it just yeah. me or is this hard knocks just been kind of boring? It's been kind of dull. It hasn't been that good. I was sort of getting to that. Like, I feel like the Raiders have gotten a lot of creative control over this one because, like, 
we haven't we haven't really gotten any like you know behind closed doors coaches meetings like everything we've heard Gruden say is basically like stuff he would say to the media except with the added benefit of he throws in a few more f bombs. Yeah. Um, the only thing we re- the best thing we've gotten out of Mike Mayock so far is him shaming Max Crosby for not knowing George Clinton and Parliament fucking Funkadelic. You know, like it, yeah. it just. It just has been dull. Like, there are no great characters, really. It's pretty obvious the Browns gave full access to HBO last year. And right. It made for some really fun. Well, Hugh, Hugh Jackson didn't mean for them to be funny, but some pretty funny caps by Hugh Jackson. And, and, and you would really meetings. think that, like, I, I mean, it, it's all Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we're all watching for because we want to know if we can get any nuggets about what his situation is with these damn feet. But even that has been, like, sort of right. so-so. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I mean, Gruden's been fun. I'd like to see more of Mike Mayock mm-hmm. because we're NFL folks and, and we love Mike. I'd like to see a little bit more of him. But yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, we've seen where is zero. Josh Jacobs? Zero Josh Jacobs. Where's Josh Jacobs been? I don't know. Uh, we've seen none of Josh Jacobs. Like the only thing close to a fun character is Jonathan Abram. That's it. Yep. That was it. You know, like the first week, he's basically digging in Derek Carr's pockets to like you know get free food out of him. Uh, this week, the show ended with him saying that you know Tom Brady's old enough to be my daddy. He Tom Brady could be my daddy like that. That was that was funny. Yeah. Um. We just haven't had any really good characters. I think we were spoiled. The Browns just had so many either guys with great personalities or really smart guys or just, I don't know, Miles Garrett was was awesome last year, too. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like they don't have a ton of players with a lot of personality on that team. You know, know the Abrams, what's the over-under on him getting fined for hits this season? (laughs) Oh, he's going to get a couple. He'll probably get a couple of envelopes in his locker. Yeah, he will. Um, Yeah, it's just weird. But you would have thought, I mean, between Antonio Brown, Richie Incognito, who has been kind of a choir boy in uh, in the first couple of episodes. Like, you know, he's the one, he's been the voice of reason. Like, this is where we are now. Richie Incognito is the voice of reason. He was talking about counseling, too. Right. Um, We've seen none of Vontez Perfect. He's still there, right? Is that on purpose? I don't know, but like. I don't know. You know, like the only slightly unhinged person we've seen has been John Gruden. Which we knew he Which would be unhinged. He's <laughs> always unhinged. He's right. right. Yeah. Always unhinged. But I mean, like, you know, it, it would be very Raiders for them to go out and make a, a splash and getting Antonio Brown and drafting Josh Jacobs and, and signing Tyrell Williams and being a five-win team. I know. Um, it's funny because we've only – we haven't heard from Tyrell Williams. I think there were a couple of shots of him in this mm-hmm. last episode. Mm-hmm. Also, like, things that they haven't really talked about. I mean – they haven't mentioned at all that this was the Raiders last year in Oakland, right? Mm-hmm. They're moving to Las Vegas next year. No mention of that so far. No mention of the fact that for Derek Carr, like, he's the franchise quarterback for now. But this is very much a prove-it year for him. Like, yep. there are storylines that I don't think they've explored so far. And, you know, we're through two of the five episodes. So, yeah. you know. Um also, random aside, I always think it's weird that Liam Schreiber was the narrator because it doesn't sound like him. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I always sound like, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't. That it doesn't, doesn't sound like him yeah. at all. I mean, yeah. you know, I was, my girlfriend and I were watching it, and I was like, yeah, that's the narrator. She's like, who? And I said, Ray Donovan. She's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound like him. Doesn't sound like it Ray doesn't Donovan. sound like him. Yeah, so hey, before we go, we should again remind oh, yes. people that we're going to be live on August 26th at 8 p.m. at the Yard House in Marina Del Rey. So for all of our Southern California folks out there, please come by. We're going to be doing the podcast there. We're going to be doing some Q&A. We're going to do some trivia. Mm-hmm. And four people are going to be able to join our podcast listeners league, which uh, I'll be setting up here shortly. So make sure you, if you are in Southern California, come by, check it out. 
You know, you could buy Graham and Marcus a beer. I don't really drink beer, uh, but I, you can get me a I'll, ginger ale. I'll start I was, fine. I was going to say an easy, easy, easy way to get into the uh, to the listener league. Just buy buy me all my beer. <laughs> I'll get it. you in. We're, we're, we are shameless. Graham's like easy like that. Yeah. We so, are shameless. So definitely come by. No, no problem um, with that. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should uh, should definitely be fun. And we will keep promoting it. We'll keep reminding you, uh, you know, until we, we get up to And at some point as well, we will send out uh, something via social media to uh, have people answer trivia questions for a shot to get one of the other four spots in this league. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be your opportunity to tell people on social media that you kicked our ass in a fantasy football league. And ultimately, that's what everyone seems to want, guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So, Steve, hopefully you have learned something today. Yeah, so Pat Mahomes first round. (laughs) <laughs> That's the plan, right? Oh. Yeah, exactly. Were your yeah. headphones off? Yeah, go, go. We I'm have not done our job. Go, go with that. Let me, let me know how that works out for you. All right, we'll do. All right, cool. Hey, that's it. We are done as always. We appreciate you listening. Thanks again to Evan Silva for stopping by as well. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, what doesn't kill you just gives you a really dark sense of humor. We'll see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.